is very good and inspiring to be here with you again and to celebrate together what Jesus invited us to do in remembrance of him. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. And instead of starting from the beginning of the chapter, we're going to go to the end of that chapter. Specifically, we're going to be looking at verse 12. Isaiah 53, 12. Let's, let's do 11. Let's start from 11. We have an idea of the description that is there in the content of this chapter. The description is like a graphic description of what Jesus went through in order to save us. But then look how it closes there on verse 11 and 12. He shall see the labor of his soul... And be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, verse 12, I will divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressor. Today, I'd like to invite you to consider what happened in Christ's mind. You see, Christ, when he came for the mission that he came, there was something ahead of him. He knew every step of the way what was going to happen. He had an idea. Morning after morning, the Holy Spirit would wake him up from his lumbers and gave them the instructions for that day. In that sense, he knew what was going to happen, what would take place in his life. But he was looking specifically to the portion of the end. What would be the end result? And that kept him going. That kept him inspired, motivated to go forward with the mission that he came for, even though it included much, much suffering. And yet, he was thinking of you, he was thinking of me when he said there that by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. He was thinking that he would justify you and me, although we didn't deserve it. Not only that, he thought also in the first portion of verse 11, he shall see the labor of his life on earth, and he would be satisfied. How many times would Jesus be tempted, and the devil, especially in Gethsemane, in try, he attempt to discourage him to not continue with his mission. If you could just turn back, 
Don't go forward in that direction. You don't need to go through this suffering. We remember from our Sabbath school the week before, during that temptation, look, this could be solved in another way. You don't have to go down this path of suffering, of blood, of humiliation. If you would just bow. How hard is that? Just bend your knees. Act like you're tying your sandals or something. That you got a little rock there. And it's all you have to do. And the world is yours back again. But Jesus was very clear on his mission. He had a motivation. He had an inspiration that was the drive every day, every moment of each day through the whole journey of his life. Not only during the three and a half years of public ministry, all his life was to be involved in the business of his father. And God is in the business of saving souls for his eternal kingdom. And Jesus was very clear on that. People don't remember him as an evangelist, although he did evangelism. And yet, he was focused on saving you and me. This summer, I too look forward to do something similar, or at least in the destiny, of what Clark and Lewis did. They were finding out a route to the West. I want to know the West. And that has been lately, in the last um, few weeks, been considering the possibility of knowing the Northwest, perhaps, and just to see how it looks out there, not that I'm looking for a route. The route's already made. The roads are there in the map. You can Google it, and it'll take you to over there. But that's been inspiring me. I want to know. And you must have also things in life that are ahead of you, that inspire you to keep going forward. We need to have those in our life. We need to have those in our journey. And this morning, I ask you, what motivates you? What is your goal? What keeps you going even though you go through some disappointment? When I think of my brother John Ritzke, I'm sure nor him, nor Sandy, nor any one of us has ever planned going through difficult trials, moments, or challenges with our health. And yet... We need to have positive ones. We need to have goals. We need to have an aim to go forward in our life. And Jesus helped us to have that very clear in our minds. Gary read for us what is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let us go back there again and take a look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I normally read this passage before communion. I will not this day at communion because we already saw it there, but we want to put emphasis in the portion you find there from verse 23 to 26, through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night on which he was betrayed, He took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And notice now verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, what are you doing? Ah, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until when? You are part of a prophetic movement called Seventh-day Adventists. And that name bears the reason why you are, what you believe, why you are here on earth. You're waiting for Jesus' second coming. And every Sabbath, you come together to celebrate God as your creator, as your redeemer. But it doesn't stop there. You're proclaiming he's coming again. Can someone say amen? Beloved, this is why we're here. This is why we're celebrating communion. Because you're announcing that Jesus is coming again. I am sure that there must have been, sadly, Sometimes that, perhaps quietly, just in your mind, you must have thought, is Jesus really coming again? That's the whole purpose of the enemy of our souls. Bring us to the point that we doubt. Once we can doubt, breaks our connection with God, and that's when we go in all the kinds of wrong directions, reasoning, arguing, making our own way in the Christian path, not standing on the promises of His Word. And today, I pray, I invite you, I challenge you to consider that Jesus' second coming should be, it should never stop and continue to be your motivation. The same Jesus saw that after His mission was accomplished, He would justify many that it would not be in vain. If you remember there from the Gospels, Jesus was challenged. If you are, again, notice the if. If you're the Son of God, if you are able to heal so many people, resurrect others, why don't you come down from the cross? Think of that temptation. Okay, I'm already here. I'm done. I'm getting down. And it's going to be payday for all of you. But no. He was, the, the mission required that he would go into the dark, and I'm going to use human language, tunnel, of which there's no light at the end. Humanly speaking, with the human nature Christ had, he did not know if he was going to come out of that alive or not. He was thinking of you, and of me, and he was willing to give his life, to put his life, so that you and I could be redeemed by God again. And I can't thank him enough for his great salvation that he wrought, that he brought for you and for me. Beloved, the communion service points to Christ's second coming. It was designed to keep this hope vivid, 
in the minds of the disciples. They needed to have that motivation. They needed to see to the future and think, whatever I go through is not going to be in vain. It didn't stop there. Whenever they met together to commemorate his death, they recounted how he took the cup and gave thanks, as we had read, and partake of it. These are the things we are never to forget. The love of Jesus with his constraining power is to be kept fresh in our memories. We need to remind this to ourselves. When we come to the table that Jesus calls us to participate, it's not a time to say, well, today, yeah, it's communing. I knew about it, but I'm not going to participate. I beg of you. I encourage you, don't let this opportunity pass by without proclaiming, declaring that Jesus is coming again. And there's more to it. Yes, these are the things we'll never to forget. The love of Jesus with his constraining power is to be kept fresh in our memory. Christ has instituted this service that it may speak to our senses of the love of God that has been expressed in our behalf. There can be no union between our souls and God except through Christ. We know this. This is what communing is all about. And I'm reading from Desire of Ages, the chapter you've read many times, to make that point that we need to be united. Christ can't wait until we connect in such a union that is even stronger than death itself. When you and I, by faith, are united with Christ. Yes, the union and love between brother and brother must be cemented and rendered eternal by the love of Jesus. And nothing less than the death of Christ could make this his love efficacious for us. It is only because of his death that we can look with joy to his second coming. His sacrifice is the center of our hope. So communion is not a form anymore. It's not something you do automatically. You realize that the love between you and your brother and sister, I'm not speaking about your blood brother. I'm not talking about your husband or your wife. The brother and sister that is here with you today, that came also to be united with Christ because of Christ's death, it becomes now a reality that we are bond, we are linked in such union that is even stronger than death. Beloved, None should exclude themselves from the communion because some who are unworthy might be present. Have you ever thought, I hope you haven't, but I know I have. Oh, this brother, this sister, I wish he was not here today. He's such a hypocrite. Don't go down that road. How dare he comes to participate of the emblems of Christ after that look, that those words 
those actions that he portray against me. Brethren, the Spirit of God is wooing, attracting us, calling us all to come equally because we all need this. Every disciple is called upon to participate publicly and thus bear witness that he or she accepts Christ as a personal Savior. It's not time for judgment. Actually, there's no time for judgment. That is solely in the power of Jesus Christ. Never, ever, when that thought starts crossing your mind, stop it right there. Do not look down in judgment, in evaluation. People want to change the word judgment. I'm just evaluating the brother or the sister. Don't go down that road. It's dangerous. We're here to declare that we're accepting Christ as our personal Savior. Yes? It is so clear that every one of us, when we come to participate publicly, we're here thus to bear witness that we accept Christ as my personal Savior. It is at these, His own appointments, this communion, that Christ meets His people and energizes them by His presence. Hearts and hands that are unworthy, like mine, may even administer the ordinance. Yet Christ is there to minister to his children. Unworthy people like me could be leading out. And yet, that doesn't stop Christ from participating. Don't let no one among us prevent you from partaking. Christ, by the Holy Spirit, is here to set the seal to his own ordinance. He is here to convict and soften the heart. Not a look, not a thought of contrition escapes his notice. For the repentant, broken-hearted one, he is waiting. All things are ready for that soul's reception. He who washed the feet of Judas, oh boy, if he did that to Judas, there's hope for me. Yes, he who washed the feet of Judas longs to wash every heart from the stain of sin. My friends, as we separate to partake of the rite of humility, the foot washing, I want to remind you that when we come back, we want to sit every other pew. Deacons and deaconesses will be helping and reminding us about that. But when we come back, we're going to sit. The first pew is reserved for the deacons and deaconesses as they will minister and serve us. But then after that, every other pew, we will sit. Today our service is going to look a little different than what we've been accustomed to do. And I want you to know that the bread will be served. Immediately after that will come the fruit, the fresh fruit of the vine of grape juice. And then you will have both emblems in your hands. And then we will participate of one and then of the other. Instead, one and then come back and the other. 
and we will all be partaken in this way. Brethren, I pray that as you walk downstairs, that you would, with a prayer in your heart, declaring that you accept Christ, Christ Jesus as your personal Savior, that nothing or no one will rob you the communion that Jesus wants to have with you.